one and my husband is at work because he's a sparky and i think that you'll be very excited by today's guest so we are just about to wrap up season three uh, of the journey of discovering whether we're going to have baby number two um, and, you know, battling it out with our communication coach here on the podcast. And today's guest is an old mate of mine. He's also an old co-host. You may know him from Heidi Heath and Normie at NXFM when we worked in Newcastle together. Uh, he's a bit of a joker. He is very much, um, you know, tells the jokes to not go too deep, but he he is, since he's become a dad, he is on a mission to tell incredible stories. And today we're going to talk about his parenting journey for the very first time. Um, I know it's been big for him and he has um, experienced a lot of mental health Um and questions along the way of like, what is life? Like, what is our purpose? And I think this is something we probably don't talk about enough as parents. I went through it, like thinking about dying and, you know, you've got this little baby here and you kind of start to question, like, what is the purpose of life? So today I'm super excited to have him from Hardy Heath the Dormy Days. Okay. So let's get into it. Can you do the whole like, welcome, welcome to- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're if you're ready. joining us for the first time, you are with Heidi, Heath, and Normie on NXFM. Eight past eight. We've got a traffic build up on John Renshaw Drive. I mean, wouldn't you hate to be called John Renshaw because everyone would hate you because there's always traffic on there? Like, if you're a road, if someone named Heath Piper Road after me, I would love to be like a scenic coastal road and go, what a beautiful road Heath Piper Road is. But John Renshaw? No, oh, sorry, that's a Newcastle joke. Should I expand it? Uh, the Hume Highway. If your name's Hume, not great because there's traffic on that. And anyway, did you just uh, say that? Did you mention that joke every day that we did traffic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Okay, so for those who never listen to Heidi Heath and Normie, um, or Heath and Normie, how would you describe yourself? As a radio person, I think or as a real day as a to real day as a real person. For those who like, okay, so we get a little bit of Heath from the Heidi Heath and Normie days, and yeah, then right. Normie days. Like, who is Heath joining us on First Time Parents? Oh, that's a big question because I'm going through like a I don't know what self is and what and who I am is really. I know what I'm doing in my life, but I don't. I guess I just turned 40 and I don't know if I had a midlife crisis, but I think when you get to around that age, you feel, okay, where is the next 40 years headed? What do I actually want to do with my life? So I guess I used to be a bit of a comedian, joke star, storyteller, but I am more genuine than ever. And I just am sincere now. So I don't, I don't, because I don't know what else to do. Like I don't, Feel like being funny. I just feel like being sincere in myself. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. yeah. So maybe kids change with that. I guess. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So the the heat that I knew ten years ago when we we're on breakfast radio, like you had this soft side. I saw with Helen, your partner, and you know this cutesy side, and she would you say got like the real heat? Yes. 
Yeah. And then then there was the persona, which I think that's that's what happens a lot in radio performance. Like you start to create an identity and become that person. And well, but- Plus I was with my best mate from yeah. school. So we've got a history of who we are and our roles within our friendship and how you play. And then you turn that into a professional environment where your income's at stake. And now it's like, all right, well, what is your roles? And by the way, you're on commercial radio, so they're manufacturing you. They're trying to, like, push you down to, all right, Heath, you're this guy. So tell more stories and make sure you start talking more like this. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, but real me, really, I just wanted to do a lot more artistic stuff and I really wanted to do, like, I, I think I <laughs> brought, like, a mock one up into the meeting once. It was like a spoken word thing over, like, there's a poem that I wrote and, like, Everyone laughed at all, which is fair enough, because I had never said, oh, I'm going to do like a bit of a serious, more emotional thing. I said, hey, guys, just listen to this. And I'm like, well, it's not that funny, really, but I guess. So I tried to, in my own way, which I've always done, is work within the frameworks of whatever you're doing, but within that, bring your own personality and try and do it differently and bring a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of joy to somehow, a bit of spark and energy to things. Uh, good energy, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, I mean, I always got that from you. You're always a good time, like, you know, and I always felt like, um, you know, for those who don't care about radio stuff, we are going to get into parenting stuff and how Heath's kind of like going through his midlife crisis. But I know for me I always felt, and this is why we can talk 10 years later, is that you and Normie made me feel seen appreciated and part of the team from the very get-go. Now, I've worked with other fucking team members that I don't even talk to on big shows that went number one, but we had this smallest window of time together, which we didn't even really get to hit our straps. So maybe we wouldn't be friends if we worked together for longer. But you guys always made me feel part of the team from the get-go. That's nice to hear um, because that was a big thing because, like I said, I just assumed that Normie and I we're going to do just Normie and I for the rest of our days. We'd end up on the ABC somewhere telling stories. But then that didn't happen and they wanted a third party. We actually needed a third party, someone else to bounce off, and you came along and it was just very different to what we're used to, but we loved your energy. And we're like, she's actually mad, <laughs> like in a great way. And she had you had... You know, I you didn't want to contain your madness, and that's what Normie and I were like. Just unleash us, unleash yes. people. Stop trying to confine people in creative areas. Yeah. Because what I've noticed in times of turmoil in your personal life, or even massive crises in the world, who do you turn to in times of reflection and celebration? Even it's artistry and artists. You turn to your favorite book or you turn to your favourite music or film, that's who are leading society in a way. But a lot of the time, artists are just, I don't know. And it is an art form being on the radio and trying yeah. that, and it's hard work in a way. And But it really does encapsulate, I think, uh, and no matter what you do in whatever industry, if you show up cheerfully and add value to things, someone will pay you. And it will be real received, I guess. And I guess we just tried to make you feel welcome. But also, you were doing something that we didn't want to do. 
you went on Big Brother and I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I was like, I remember talking, I was like, <laughs> you, okay. And I was just very impressed with your willingness to get your heart out there, really. And that's what I've seen for the last 10 years because, you know, you and I, like a lot of friendships, when you have kids and you get married and you focus on a career, whatever you're doing, you just lose touch. And I'm not very good at that. Mm. But what I've seen and when I've touched base with you every like couple of years, whatever, you just, and I said it to you, and it's just you have, it's your consistency to actually go up and be yourself. And you've lent into that more than ever, which is very inspiring. Mm, so that's yeah, what I've seen you to keep doing is just like find your voice really as Heidi Anderson, whoever that is, and then really because you're not after like millions of dollars, you just want to inspire your part of the world and your fan base or whatever you call your people that you work with. Yeah, so... And I think as well, like that was this people who have listened to this podcast from the get go, like this has been four years now. Like we started mm. recording this the week after Memphis was born. Like we're yeah. totally different people, Griffo and I. And so you saying that it's really awesome to, to see that there's like the consistency. Like I haven't just turned into a C next Tuesday. <laughs> like I'm just, you know. No, like- and you've done it with a positive spirit because there's plenty of times that you could have been. And most people in most industries, I've been a teacher for 10 years in and out of radio and stuff. And, yeah, every industry that I've ever worked in, most people are bashed down. You know, they they start off with a bit of oomph and trying to start with great intentions, but then that quickly gets because of just the rules and how things are set up in most established places. So you just sort of go, well, I'm just going to go along with what everyone else has been doing for all this time and you haven't done that and it takes more energy actually to do that, to keep chasing the light in your dream, then not. So yeah. that's why people a lot of the time uh, don't follow through with what they want to do because they get in their own way and they don't, oh, it's just, it's effort, it's effort. Yeah. And I had this, you know, I guess through the work and the job I'm doing now, it's like I've reflected on my life for the first time ever. And, you know, you're stupid, like, I thought that was stupid. Your school jumper. What are they called? The motto? Oh, yeah, the motto. motto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember your one? Yeah, manners maketh man. (laughs) That was for West Bathurst School. And then there was a big uproar when we were at school, like manners maketh man. (laughs) That's not a good good example of what I was going to say. That's the worst example. (laughs) I don't know. What does that even mean? What man? Well, so that was the question. Like, man, so then they were like, should it be a person? <laughs> okay, so tell us what yours is because this was going to be. Someone dead. wrote that and they thought, that's a good one. Let's put it on all the jumpers. Manners maketh man. Okay, so oh. mine was effort and success, and it really does. Like, effort to whatever you want to do, just you keep putting effort in and you'll get success to whatever that level, oh, whatever that means you to you. To send your kids to that school. Well, yeah, and it's just, it really does. Uh, and it's with your kids, if it's with your wife, it's with just being better at whatever you're trying to be better at in life or if it's just trying to live a more content life. It's just, it's all effort. And that's where actually the richness lies anyway. It lives in this effort state of not all the time, you need rest, but 
trying, I guess otherwise you can go down a pretty dark hole pretty quickly if you think like there's no point to it all. Mm. So well, okay, so let's, let's talk about that because we've talked about me. Sorry, now. there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there's, there. No, 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 there's a lot in there. But so the Heath I remember from the radio day, funny joker, loved him, great guy, always made me feel, you know, safe. But the Heath in the last 10 years that's been evolving, I didn't realise had gone down that dark path of, you know, like questioning like what is the purpose after you left radio and became a parent. And I think this is a, why we started this podcast because mm. so many people are not, like when we're not talking about these conversations of the transitions that we have when we leave jobs, when we become parents and we actually you know, transform and sometimes it's not we've got to hit the depths of darkness before we see the other side. Mm. And so when I left radio, you assume the phone's going to ring. It doesn't ring and no one comes to save you. And you might wait six months like I did and then the pressure builds to get a job from your partner and in yourself. You're your own worst critic anyway. Well, I have always been. So I had to go back to teaching and I spent 10 years getting out of teaching. Like I spent all this energy getting into radio and that life and thinking you're going to do this thing, as I mentioned before, and then you're back to where you started. And you're like, oh, I screwed up somewhere. And so you're very hard on yourself. And then that affects your relationship because also Helen knew me as that person, as that person of, wow, he's a go-getter. Look at him. He's got this clear vision of his life. And I sold that to her. And that's uh, also why she fell in love with me in a way. So we had a bit of a tough patch. And I was teaching. The thing with teaching is there's no room for people like me because I come in and I'm very good with the kids. So the kids love me, right? And I love them. That the teaching is the best because you've got the kids, right? Especially primary school teaching. And I play guitar and, you know, I'd write musicals and I would do like well-being stuff and boot camp and all this great stuff. Yeah. But I wasn't the fastidious feature that the Department of Education wants. They want this moulded. And so they was like, oh, he's good. He's the fun teacher. But I just couldn't get a job. Like, so I'd work at a school. I'd build up a community and... Then, because there's no permanent jobs, I'd have to get boosted back to the next school or and try and... So, it's just like every two years, it'd be like you starting a brand new job again and trying... So, I was... By six or seven years of this, I was exhausted. And I was like, I actually can't sustain this. And I can't be that person who, as I said, just gets downtrodden and just goes to work. I'm not going to have it for my kids either. And I don't want them to see my dad... like me their dad like that yeah you know dragging his feet how's how's worked out which i was becoming grumpy very bad mood and grumpy and yeah so i guess it was just a lot of i uh i wasn't very good at school i was very good at sport but i wasn't very academic I don't really have that many skills. I've always been able to communicate with words, even though I'm not very, like, super articulate, like Stephen Fry or very well-read, like, 
Richard Feidler on the ABC or some someone like Dr. Carl or someone I look up to, yeah. an intellectual, and I struggled at uni, bare minimum, always bare minimum, uh, you know, I guess academically. But words I can communicate in my own unique way. And that's, yeah, so it's never, it's actually not celebrated in general day-to-day life being a good talker and communicator. Everyone wants it in written form and I'm really hopeless at it. I actually can't articulate any thoughts and it doesn't sound like me. And so you've written a book and I couldn't believe it. I was like, because I can never imagine myself writing a book. But I just wrote it how I talk. Like I literally just wrote it. Yeah, I can't do that. It just comes out someone different. So had all this in those seven years, but then within that time as well, after Helen and I, you know, initially after I left radio, were struggling, and then our first son was born, I didn't feel anything for a year. Wow. And... Uh, which would be pretty hard for my son to hear. Like, and he was really sick at the start, and I don't know what that is because it's the same. We've just had another baby. She's nine months old. Until about six months, it was really hard to connect. And then one day it's like they come online and I'm like, whoa. And then Arrow and I, he's five now, like he's been by my side since he was 11 months old. Like, he has not left my side. So, and he's the best person I've ever met. And, but he's also enraging because he's exactly (laughs) like me. And I see me in him and I'm like, don't do that, don't do that, because that's what I do, don't do that. But he won't (laughs) listen to me. And I wouldn't listen to me either. Bastard. (laughs) And he would call me a bastard. Idiot. No, no, no. We're just, he's really great. And, you know, I've got high standards that I would like to sort of, uh, guide him in the best way I can to have a better or easier, more content life than me. But it's, you know, it's hard to do. So I guess in saying all that, you know, it's when you have your first child and you have had big transitions in your life around that time as well, which seems to happen to every single person that has that baby, that first baby. Yeah. It's never just like, this smooth sailing idea, like it's just always this chaos. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's very hard to it's a blur, isn't it? To sort of make sense oh, of it. Even now, like looking back. Oh, it's such a blur. And I think what you said about that feeling of not feeling anything for eleven months is so relatable. And I think that's the thing that people don't talk about because of the transitions. Because just even having a baby is fucking hard enough as it is, let alone like if you've started a new job, you're going through identity, like the woman's going through the identity stuff. But that's the thing. The male stuff going through his things. And it's like- what about this? What about this, Heidi? This is what I only thought about after listening to your podcast and listened to the latest one and a couple of ones before. What about this? Just before you have your first child is one of the most amazing, lovey times of your couple life. Because you've got this thing and you've nested and you're setting it up and life hasn't changed yet. Your wife gets beautiful and it's tough, but you bond together and you cry together. And it's amazing. Actually, this the baby's born. I don't see Helen now. But this is huge because, of course, she's with baby and it's tough. And, of course, every first mum seems to go through the same with feeding and all these issues. 
huge and then all the other emotions that go along with that. And so I always just like, well, what do I sort of, how do I support? And I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty supportive husband. I try to actually my, one of my, not mottos, but philosophies with the marriage is I would like to make Helen's time on earth a little bit easier, not harder. That's all I want to do. Try and take the edges off life for her, you know, soften them a bit. And at that time I was adding to it because. Yeah. Mm. So I don't feel guilty about that because I've forgiven myself, but uh, yeah, I, uh, it's tough. Like it's just oh, it's life. So life is, it's, it's hard life. It's not, but this is where the effort you put into effort and that's where your success will come. Because the, the rewards are not instant. It's not instant gratification. But I know in 20 years' time I'll be thanking me for this busiest period of my life right now, yeah. the hardest period, and just be going, how the hell did you do that, Pete? How yeah. did you get through it all? How did you, you know, and hopefully I've raised someone that, you know, so... Well, so tell us how did you, so, because like this is the thing, I remember someone said to me like, oh, you just must be so in love with your little boy. And I I think it was maybe even my mum and we were driving home from getting our nails done. And I was, I actually questioned whether I loved him in that moment. And I was like, because he was a stranger to me. Like, and they say, you know, some people love their kids instantly. And I definitely remember feeling love instantly. Mm. It didn't experience that and I probably haven't talked too much into this because I didn't really know how to articulate it I can't remember if we ever spoke about it on the podcast but I didn't know how to say like I don't know if I fucking love him yet you know and it's and it took time you can't you are not allowed to say that imagine if you you just would not like even if you were the bravest person and the most you you that has ever existed you just you can think it and you are not your thoughts but you can't tell your heart went to love either. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't ever think that I ever thought, oh, one day I'll love him. But I don't know. You just do. So it's interesting because I, that's very open of you to say that now because, like I said, you know, it, it'd be hard for your kid to hear this in the future and say, well, he didn't love me for a year. But I mean, he's going to fucking not, lift but himself. It's, so so I don't, a lot. Yeah, so I don't. We yeah, documented okay. this. We documented this, thinking how beautiful this would be in like twenty years' time. Not thinking about how this could potentially fuck him up. <laughs> Gee, they complained a lot. I mean, was I that hard, Mum? Oh, Griffo, Griffo. Like, I mean, love him, but he's been through the depths of darkness himself on his own journey of becoming a dad. And I think for him, you know, what I was thinking about when I said that he re- he resented Memphis a lot, and it wasn't. Mm. Memphis old but because everything changed because this little baby came now the work that he's done on himself and you know you you hear that over the podcast i did i was like wow he's articulated his feelings like i was like who is this man like (laughs) because i know him from he was used to come on our show 10 years ago whatever yeah he'd he'd say a couple of words quite funny but now i'm like he's the one that should write the book you know i know well 
And this is the thing, like this podcast, like the reason why we started it to begin with was to document, to, you know, to share it, to for us to feel less alone. But now it's become like really therapy for us, like, and a lifesaver. Like our fucking marriage has been saved, I reckon, because of this podcast, because we've been able to grow and talk without like the anger and this and that that comes with like sometimes when you're trying to have these big conversations. Wow. Yeah. So because it's public, you are your best selves in a way. Yeah. And you're being kind to each other. And what would have started out as maybe a business idea, an organic one at that, but yeah. it's become something that is a weekly set time thing, which you need to do as married couples. Yeah. Like we're on holidays at the moment, kind of a working holiday. And I said to Helen, every afternoon we have to schedule. This is so lame, actually. Oh, my goodness. We have to schedule rel- relax time in. Like, I don't, whatever that is, like half an lame, hour. And I'm like, that's so lame. I'm like, no, no. Like, I would have been that. I'm just always relaxed, you know, cool. But no, we're scheduling it. So you're scheduling these conversations that you wouldn't normally have because when do you have them? You're too tired. The kids, have, you struggle to get the kids to bed. It's, yeah. It would take half an hour, but it's taking an hour and a half. You'd plan to do something together watch a show, read a book, whatever you two do as a couple, but then you're too tired and then one of you is grumpy, blah, blah, blah. So to schedule it in, I can see how this would have started and has turned into something quite beautiful, which then your listeners, and I'm one of them, then gets more out of it because it's truthful and real. That's why. I know, quite smart, aren't we? Yeah. We're saving everyone's marriage, including, you know, yours. Well, yeah, I should get Helen to listen. Well, yeah. And <laughs> I guess mm, it's in, yeah. So I was going to say to you, like, how have you and Helen survived your relationship? Because the thing is, after kids, it's fucking tough, let alone adding all the things that we've talked about in. How have you guys? survived and now moving into like you know to thriving like i mean you just did have a second kid so i don't know if you would be thriving again now. oh we're in the thicker we are in the, you are in the for, trenches oh she's not sleeping so no it's like three hours a night like so yeah oh, and we've yeah. got like the sleep person who texts us in the morning how'd it go and you're like okay <laughs> not great <laughs> so yeah um but I forget, what was your question? Sorry. So, so how have you guys survived marriage with a baby? Like what have, what did you do to, you know, so you're doing your relaxing, scheduling your relaxing time now. What are three things that you've done to help your marriage after a child? Hey, three things? Oh, one. Okay, we'll start with one, but I feel like there could be three. Oh. So every morning we have coffee together. Oh, I love that. You make so it's so Helen's in bed and I'll make coffee and I'll bring it to her around six o'clock. Whenever she texts me, she texts me the same thing every morning. Hello. <laughs> Actually, she says, she says, again, lame, hero. It's H-E-R-R, right? And I wrote right back emoji, coffee, question mark, and then she writes love heart, right? And that's the same. That's same every morning. Love it. And then I go have coffee with her. And what we've found is, one, I need a morning routine. So I get up at 4.30 every morning. Yeah. Otherwise, and I've done this for two years, no matter how much sleep I've had, even if I get one hour of sleep with the baby, I will get up at 4.30 because if I don't, I am very hard to deal with. And I don't know how much to go into it, but I'm 
can be fairly moody and grumpy in my level of what that should be. It might not look grumpy or moody to someone else, but Helen definitely knows. And I can ruin the family's day. So I do that. But then I have coffee. I set my intentions for the day. And, And normally it's just be calm and be present. That's the only sort of things I tell myself and I'll do some exercise, whatever I do. Yeah. The normal things you do to look after yourself when you've got time to yourself. So, but that's then, two. So the first one is coffee. Second one is morning routine. And what's the third? We set expectations of our day. Now we have disagreements when expectations of the other person, because I haven't vocalised them. So we were saying now we we started by saying now my expectation of the day is this. All right, we use that language. Yeah. Because Helen would have read it somewhere online, I'm guessing. Yeah. But I really liked it. Um, but it's really as well, my expectation is we do all this stuff and then can we have a glass of wine together on the deck? Or my expectation is I've got to work and I really need that time, so how can we make everything else work? So everyone is on the same page and yeah. I found I get very overwhelmed and stressed because life is so full when things sideswipe me and so if Helen hasn't told me like something that she doesn't think is major like I have to go pick up the Woolies groceries now that might not be major to, to her but that sets me off like not angry I get very overwhelmed like mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. I'll be washing the dishes or doing something and then tea, I'll ball my eyes out and she'll be like oh my goodness the dishes like she'll say the dishes have broken you I'm like <laughs> no it's like everything else <laughs> And so I am not a list person, but I really, and I can take like, I am impulsive too, but it's more like any major things like that. I kind of just would like to know on the day. Yeah. Um, So that's what has also helped us a lot. It's really on my part communicating because I really am not a very big or good talker, even though I have done it professionally and I do it now. I actually am not very good. But But I think. I don't want to give a general sweeping statement, but I think it's most people. Like we fucking cannot communicate. And it's like what we've, this whole season's been about yeah. learning how to communicate. And, you know, the biggest thing that we've seen is like just with setting the expectations, like you're seeing each person for what they need. And that's, and that is like been a life changer for us, you know, like and understanding each other and seeing each other. And it's like when you don't, because it's like you create stories in your head and then are like, well, they're not listening to me and they didn't do this. And But it's like you actually haven't said anything about it, but, you know, they're supposed mm. to read your mind. And it's like this has yeah. been for years and years and years. Well, and I guess, oh, because you asked me, this is directly related to Helen, right? Oh, yeah. And marriage because we're on that topic. And you did ask me before, like, didn't know you went to the dark place or whatever you called it. Yes. Like on Stranger Things, what's that place? Um, but yeah. Night of the Soul. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Helen, in the last year, I've had to lean on her incredibly. Uh, and yeah. So I, yeah, I love her more than. She could possibly know because she saved my life, really. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, because I don't know. It's just been hard in a way. Like when you feel as a person, you have, what did you call it, a calling or whatever you think it is, but 
you think your life's meant to go a certain way or you're meant to do a certain thing and it doesn't happen for you, it is very easy to become an existential nihilist that it doesn't mean anything. And even with your kids, you're like, what's, a, what's the point? What is actually the point? What is the meaning when you try so hard and you can't get anywhere and then you just feel like you're a failure and you just like, as I said, I'm my worst critic. I've always been quite hard on myself for no reason. But if I actually would be able to talk to my younger self, do you know what I would say? I would say, you're okay. You're doing okay. Just get out of your own way and you'll be fine. Yeah. But you, you just don't get that chance. So even now and in the last year when I feel like I haven't been at my best in a lot of ways, but in an, creatively I have, it's just been this dichotomy of internal turmoil and but also creatively and professionally having this blossoming moment. So it's really hard to sort of enjoy. Yeah. And that's quite personal. I, do you know I've never actually... <laughs> So forgive me if I'm not being articulate because I'm actually talking about this in real so time. I actually that. haven't. Like, you're hard on yourself even like if you go back and listen to this podcast, like, oh, forgive me if I'm not being articulate. You're actually articulating it beautifully. It's because I haven't thought about it, and I, you know, before what I'm saying. So, yeah, and I guess the stress, I think each person in a relationship at certain times is a leader at certain times whether yeah. you go travelling or you're saving or whatever you're doing together, one person seems to be driving it. And in a good relationship, the other person is supportive of that and saying, go for it, we can do it, and I believe in you, right? Yeah. Well, the last couple of years that's been me and I have led our family down a path of it's been really hard. We built a house, which is a huge financial commitment, it's a huge emotional commitment. And then we were gymmed and cheated and the builder liquidated and stole our money. And then you're in the dark depths of this world of insurance and dodgy builders. And it's really very depressing, actually. And then you've got trades and people that you've trusted and you've spent time with and drinks with and they've met your family, the kids have played together because they're building your house. They come to your property and they steal things back because they haven't been paid and then, you know, you feel for your life really and you feel for your safety of your family and because you're getting threatening phone calls, but it's been none of your fault. Yeah. You can't, because you've been swindled and then as a person you've led your family down this road and you've got a half-finished house, you've lost a lot of money. And then because I have had such a emotional, all right, about one of my earliest memories I've got, and I believe in manifesting or whatever you call it or goal setting or having a vision for your life. If you think about what you want to do, you can do it. Even small things like I remember trying to get a job at McDonald's. That's actually quite hard when you're 15. They don't just say yes. You know that. They go, No. You can't work here. But then you go, well, how am I actually going to get a job here? And then you have to think about it and you have to tack it at a different angle and you get a job there eventually. That's a big challenge at the time, yeah. right? So I guess, yeah, one of my earliest manifestations was I had this vision of a house at the beach on timber wooden floors 
and there's two kids crawling. Well, wow! just before, you know, all this stuff happened, I took a photo walking down the stairs of the half-finished house and the kids were on the floor crying and I started bawling my eyes out. And Helen's like, what? And I said, it just happened. It's happening. Like, it's here, this moment, and I know we'll be okay. We can, we can do it. But how are we going to do that just seemed all very impossible. And so why it was so emotional and stressful is because of all those normal reasons, but then I've got this extra added, like, this is my whole life and this building will show my kids that you do not have to be the most intelligent person or the most gifted, but if you keep trying with good intentions, you can get somewhere. Yes. And that would be a visual representation of what I've tried to do my whole life. And so I was nearly, I was like, we're going to have to sell. And so then I was also going through this career thing. I was like, because kids do put pressure on you. If you, if you are a, I don't, I don't want to call myself a high achiever, but I, I set like things for myself that I want to live a certain way. And really a certain way is just pretty content, relaxed family life. I don't, and being able to buy organic groceries. That's all I want, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love and that. pay your mortgage, whatever you do, you know. <laughs> we don't want millions of dollars. We just want our small slice of idyllic, what we would assume to be idyllic life. And this house is that representation. And I was so stressed and I've been so stressed for so long, I didn't realise that because I wasn't eating. All the things that happen when you're really stressed, you can't think. And then I was fighting fires everywhere. Like kids were challenging. We were living in this really shitty apartment. I had this job I hated. You know, we had the whole world being quite negative when I thought, this was the one thing I always thought a massive thing would bring the whole population of the world together. Like if aliens came down, wow, that's what will unite us if we're fighting something else. And I thought this is the alien I've been waiting for, this invisible alien. We're gonna, And it was like that for a time, but then it just went, oh, my goodness, like it's just this, what is this world? Yeah. And all of that stuff was happening. And then one day I just couldn't go to work and I was in the apartment by myself, and I can take a lot of stress. I have always been able to take a lot. I, like, physically collapsed, and I, uh, then I didn't know who to call because I've never called anyone like that. So I called my dad. I think I told you this story, but uh, it gets me, and I don't tell many people. <clears throat> And he said, uh, and I couldn't talk to him. And he just kept saying, you're there. And then he said, he called my mum over and he said, I think he's having a mental health, <laughs> which made me laugh. <laughs> and he just uh, said, I'm coming down. And he lives a long way away and he started to drive down and he called me in the car and he said, um, he just gave me really tangible, real advice that I listened to my dad for the first time ever. Like I really listened to him. And I was thinking he is quite 
wise. And he actually has things to share with me. He didn't solve my problems. Yeah. But it actually, there's something inside that I was like, I'm going to be okay. Just one day at a time. And Ellen said this most beautiful thing because I told her that. And it was, you know, it's tough, tough few months there after that. Um, yeah, I wasn't sleeping and all these things. And uh, she said, imagine if Aero went through the same thing and that he called you. How would that make you feel? Because I was quite embarrassed, you know. Uh, anyway. No, don't say anyway. <laughs> I'm holding you here. I'm just not saying anything because I'm just letting you. Oh, well, and then, um, yeah. So through all that, right, and Helen just was amazing and gave me time and space and loved me and made sure I had food and all those small things. It still does it, and I'm just, you know, where in a better spot, but there's still, you know, still a lot of effort to do. And I guess uh, without her as well, I wouldn't have started what I'm doing. Definitely. I definitely wouldn't have had it in me. I could not. And so when I say she saved my life, like she actually did, though. And so um, that's why I, uh, yeah, it's changed my whole, her love has changed my whole outlook of life again. And now I believe again in the world is conspiring to shower you with blessings if you look for them. Oh. And, if you, and if you don't, like if you go the other way, there's only two options really. <laughs> like be positive and believe like, something in a higher self, like outside of yourself. I'm not talking about God, but I'm talking about what I just mentioned, you know, that, you know, if you look for positives, you'll get them. And if you dwell in it, you're going to cop negatives. And so, which also takes tremendous amount of effort because most people are very bitter. Most people are very, very discombobulated with life and angry and Mm. not pleasant really. Yeah. And, you know, I always I tell my son a lot that a lot lately. It's uh, very easy to be mean. Actually, it's incredibly mm. easy to be mean. Uh, it's very easy to be mean to my wife. It's like oh, I could really, I could really get her going like every day. But it's like stopping yourself and choosing. It's like that choose kind. It really is. And if you keep being mean, if you keep being negative, you just that all adds up. But all the little positives, and that's actually what my dad said. He said, just one positive thing today. He said, drink of water. That could be a small. And that's it. Then feel terrible the rest of the day. That's fine. Then the next day, like, add to it. And all add up. Yeah. And anyway. Oh, oh man. Uh, it's, you're, you're like, I, I uh, <laughs> this is my first podcast I've ever done, right? Oh, what? Because I, I, I've had, I've had, I just don't, I just don't want to do it with anyone. So I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm with you. 
Well, thank you. And, you know, like it takes a lot to, well, just even to express yourself, not as man, as woman, just anyone. Like, no, this no, is what no, I'm no, I, don't, I don't care about that. It's more about just how to actually, because I always think this, I'm like, oh, okay, how come people don't actually talk about this all the time? We're alive. It's impossible. And what the, I look up through the sky and go, there's space through there. And they expect me to go to work. <laughs> like, why are we stopping going, why? 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 There. Yeah. So and I, I, yeah. Anyway, I, I, so I have always been able to see perspective and the macro on life and I get my place and existence. I really, I, I thought that from a very young kid. I was like, oh my goodness, this is very singular, this experience. You are by yourself. There's other people around, but you are, it's you. That's all you've got really. And so oh how God. are you going to get through it? You know? Oh. It's like, I'll let you talk because I, I need a drink. No, 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 no. I've, I just want to say that because before I press play on this podcast, mm. I felt the same, you know, because like when I actually, I don't know why I'm going to say this because I've never shared this before, but I called my mum six weeks after Memphis was born and I was like, why did you fucking have me? I was like, and I was crying my eyes out. I'm like, I don't want to die. And I was like, and I've just given birth to this kid and he's going to be all alone. And like I went down all these really big, mm thoughts and that just made me think then like from you know when when you were sharing it's like we don't talk about these things and these experiences Mm. that we have and you know you being so open and vulnerable like you know made me start thinking about my time over the last few years and and you know the places that I've gone with my thoughts and you know like I, I and she was just like oh but Heidi life is such a beautiful thing and and I'm like fuck off. Like I've got this baby that doesn't sleep. I've got this and that. And I'm yeah. like, so I've got to tell him that he's going to die. And, yeah. you know, oh, yesterday he said to me, mum, when I die, I'm going to be a fairy. Just so you know, he's four. He's literally just turned four. And I was just like, oh, what do I say to this? I'm like, well, you know, buddy, like we do all die, but um, I'm so like, <laughs> don't laugh at they're hard. No, no, no. Because they're the same. They're nearly the same age, and so yeah. Era's brain was blown that everyone dies. Yeah, like we'll see. No, Memphis talks he about. Said, and he goes, he goes, but you're not going to die, are you, Papa? And I went, no, <laughs> no, I live forever. Well, so this is me trying to say to Memphis: now we're all going to be connected. We're always going to stay together, mm, um, right, whatever, right. wherever we are. But I said, because um, he's like, oh look, Mum, I'm dead forever, and he lays on the ground like the ant, so that he kills now, and he's like, yeah, mm. killed him. And <laughs> but it's so natural to, and it's so natural to talk about, really. And that's if you're a creative person or any human being that doesn't think about it. Like I find that very unnatural. And you're not really being honest with your reality of living a life. Because right. with life, there's got to be the opposite. So and you don't have to get into the gruesomeness of whatever that is, but it's just really like it can propel your it can propel you in a positive way. You know, yeah. like it's a heavy crown sometimes, a lot of the time, to think if you dwell on it, but it can be, you know, it's like that, well, live for the day sort of thing. Mm. Um, my my dad, you know, he's an old farmer, but he, he would always yell at the top of his lungs in the morning, and I never thought about it, but it's a great saying is today's the first day of the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. And he'd always 
yell it like when he's <laughs> unpacking the dishwasher really loud, right? I don't know why he would yell it. <laughs> maybe I should start yelling the family yeah, mantra maybe, around. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's like a little reset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <Who's> kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first so. thing, the rest of you, okay, before we wrap things up, I do want to say, um, do you feel like, how am I going to word this? I had a question there ready to go in my head. Do you feel like you've found your purpose again? Mm. Yeah? I wrote down last year I will have a business idea by the end of the year. And I wrote down the 31st of December. Helen and I having like a cup of coffee on the grass on New Year's Eve in Wollongong. And I turned to her and said, I know what I'm going to do. And she said, what? And I said, I'm going to interview elderly people. And she said, that's it. She said, that's the idea. And she said, actually, that's the first good idea you've had in 10 years. (laughs) And I said, what? I had some really good ideas, actually. And I was like, this one? You like this one? (laughs) And it made sense because I go back to that thing of getting quiet with yourself and really asking yourself, what am I good at? What skills do I have? And how can I add value to the world? That's what I was thinking. Like, and make money from it, let's be honest. Um, And make enough money for your family to survive at whatever level you want to do. And I was like, I could do that. And instantly this weight dropped off my shoulders and I said, I'm going to do that for 40 or 50 years. And straight away, you said to me something yesterday, which no one has ever really, you flipped something. Everyone always says works really hard and hard work. And I said, you know, your shit shows that you're doing which I find very entertaining on Instagram. I don't quite understand them, right? I'm like, well, I don't know what's happening. But do I need to give people lessons in them or something? No, no, no. I'm like, because I guess I don't know. Maybe it's just, but it's just your thing, right? And I I love the energies. And and I'll send you a voice message after this on what a shit, what the shit show is. Can you? Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, what was I going to say? Okay, Heidi? you were going to say I flipped it yesterday because you messaged okay, me. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry, oh, this is what you said. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, so it, it, you know, you were saying, you said it's easy. You find yeah. it really easy. And as soon as I started doing these interviews with the elderly, like the business side of things was hard to set up. All that's annoying. It's hard work and, you know, you're trying to find your feet and how you're going to market yourself. All those things you've got to work out and nitty-gritties, right? But the work itself is easy. I yeah. find it effortless and easy breezy in the sense that the work is so effortlessly beautiful that we're putting together with because I'm not just asking like elderly people, oh, tell me about, you know, where you grew up, which we do talk about. Of course we do because I'm trying to capture them as a person, what they've done in 70, 80, 90 years, not really a, you know, a timeline of events. And I ask questions like, because you're old and you've got only a little bit of time left, do you wake up every day and think about death and go, well, this could be the last day? 
Does that motivate you? And the answers are always so profound. Some people say, I don't want to talk about it, and that's enough because you hear exactly their thoughts on that. Mm. You know, and it's more questions around when you're by yourself at 90, which you spend a lot of time doing at 80, like what is your internal conversation with yourself and what it predominantly is for doing dozens and dozens is very small family matters that they didn't say this thing to someone or they regret how they treated that person. Wow. And it's really like no one else on earth would be thinking about it but that person. Isn't that funny? You would think regrets are going to be like, I don't know, you know, I got into a bad car accident and something, I hurt some. I don't know, something major yeah, yeah, like yeah. that that you regret an action. But it's, it's these small, tiny things that eat you up and I guess it comes back to that thing. Like just I try to be really kind to myself and you're only doing the best under the conditions of your life at that particular moment. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's all that and that's why I've lent on Helen so much to get me through all those emotional turmoil but then believe in me and the idea and say you can do it even though you're not at your best and it's just i'm booked out buddy and it's just going really well yeah. i love that okay so yeah. we will chuck in show notes where people can start oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as yeah. well um i definitely want to get my dad to do it as well but i guess to wrap it all up do you have any regrets, those niggling little inner dialogue thoughts of the last, you know, I guess as being Aero's dad, five years, and then your new little daughter, I can't remember what her name is. Oh, her name's Tiggy. Tiggy, oh, love that. So Tiggy mm-hmm. and Aero, do you have any regrets and what would be um, words of wisdom that you would like to to leave us with? No pressure. Mm. Uh <laughs> Mm. I have daily regrets about how I talk to Aero sometimes or my wife. Oh. I could have handled that better. I, so daily regrets, I do. But then the next day I've forgotten them. Um, oh, okay. that's, a, that's, a, that's a battle that I'm trying to work through. Yeah. Uh, you know, you when you just, <laughs> yeah. Like, and then, like, I say something to Helen. Uh, I say something to Aero and then Helen's like, remember what we talked about? We're not going to try and raise our voice to you're like, I oh, know, we're not trying to raise our voice. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, I just want to so, shut the fuck up in the car. Yeah, yeah, things things you just sort of, but they're minor things that you work on as a parent daily. I, I, I reckon every parent, if you care, would probably have that. Yeah. And I just, it's, I really honestly think <clears throat> that people need to spend more time with themselves. Mm. And I'm not talking about time on your phone. I'm talking about not like at night time watching Netflix. I'm talking about true time. And you don't have to go camping by yourself for three days. Spend half an hour with yourself, listening to your favourite music, doing something just for you that nourishes, <laughs> nourishes, that, that nourishes your person of what you think you want to be. And do it regularly and do it every day and with no guilt. And make I have to do it at 4.30. I have to. That's the only time I've got to myself, truly. And I'm under the stars, right? By 7 o'clock at night, I'm down. I'm down yeah. to the count. But 4.30, I'm up. And yeah. it's the most, it actually has, because you, can, you cannot think during your day 
truly because you've got so much information coming in as we know and life is so full because I believe all your audience would have kids, right? I'm, I'm guessing that. Majority so, do. <laughs> yeah. Or they're trying or they want to know about it and, yeah. and prepare themselves. So there's no time really to get to yourself and so you've got to try and make that space. And by me doing that, and it, not just a day, it takes a long time. And then you will formulate, I guess, I sound so, a vision for what you want your life to be. And your yeah. vision doesn't have to be like an entrepreneur. It doesn't have to be like that. It's whatever it is for you. How do you want your life to look and how are you going to do it? And getting really quiet with yourself it's like I sometimes sit there and go, I'm not doing any work. I'm just going to sit here with my cup of tea, right? I'm just going to sit. I don't do any exercise this morning. And I sit there and I relax and I'm like, oh, actually, I'm really excited about this today. And I write it, you know, write it down. And I'm actually, I'm going to work out. Yeah, I'll just do a few stretches. And then it, you just, it's like you ease yourself into your day. And then I come back to my family at six o'clock and I just want to be in a good mood. And Helen always says to me, I don't care how you do it, but make sure you come back. Try and come back as best you can in a mood that is going to be beneficial for the family. And I think that's a fair expectation on me. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, Heath, Piper, we'll chuck all your details for people to stalk. Nice. All right. This, this is your comeback tour. Uh, so it is. Back. I'm back. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just loving. I'm back for me. Not for anyone else, just for me. I don't, I don't, I've never really uh, cared that what people think of me really. It's I'm back for me. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that <laughs> so, you're back. I love that you're on the podcast. Um, thank you so much for, me, for the deep chats, uh, for the thoughts, for your vulnerability, and just, yeah, for being a legend that always would send me a couple of, me like a message or two with a, a video or a photo. And you'd just be like, hey, Heidi Ho bags. And it would be like, <laughs> it was like on the same cycle. Like, I think the same photo grows up like every year. And that's yeah, it's your phone. Your phone just comes up and you're like, oh, I'll just send that through to Heidi. I do that to everyone. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's a quick way to say hi to friends as well. Any it's photo that pops up, I send it straight to them. Yeah. Yeah, and it takes know. it takes me back to that moment, that feeling, mm. and then like I have a little laugh, and that's how we start talking again. So thanks for being that friend that stays in touch. <laughs> I I genuinely do love you, and I just wish you all the best. And I just hope that yeah, people who are listening to this podcast and follow you and your journey, yeah, just steal your light a little bit, and steal yeah, too much. because you've done you've done so much. I think if people really followed and your advice and listened, uh, they would make some sort of headway because, yeah, I, I guess you wouldn't talk about it an awful lot, like the, all the things that you've done because you would feel like it's a bit too egotistical. But honestly, she's done so much and you're, you're perfectly suited for this space. Actually, I would dare say now you're probably Australia's expert, really, in your space now. I get oath I'm Australia's expert in my space. I'm only Of course that. you are, because no one else is doing what you're doing. Remember that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I've got I'm, stalk me, stalk away. You're and I know you're doing it in one location, but I have no doubt, knowing you as well, you'll be across Australia. And I can just I'll just be able to go to Sydney and I'll be able to come to it. So 
Well, um, I'm going to message you after this about the shit show, and then I'm going to use that to promo on my page about what the shit show is, just in case anyone has the same questions. So there you go. <laughs> Great. Excellent. It's always good to clarify what you do anyway. People go, what do you do, mate? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll chuck what you do in the notes. But, hey, thank you so much. I love you, mate. And, uh, yeah, if you want to rate and review this podcast, especially this one, five stars, please. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.